Team Agath Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is where we try and uh, go behind uh, the scenes, uh, go inside the minds of those who create the arts. And of course, uh, it'd be wonderful to pick the brains of the man who's sitting next to me, uh, Amish. Um, his uh, uh, new book in the Ramchand series, of course, uh, The War for Lanka is uh, is out. There's the Shiva trilogy, of course. Uh, the Immortals of Meluha, of course, is literally what it, <laughs> its name suggests. The first word, it has become immortal in the popular uh, literary culture, so to speak. Amish, thank you very much for joining thank us. Thank you. Uh, on the Team Workouts podcast. Thank you, my pleasure. Uh, pleasure meeting you guys. It's uh, it's it's wonderful the fact that uh, you know um, you are um, making uh, our own history very accessible to us and uh, and making it a little dare I say sexier. <laughs> 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 uh, but um, uh, but that's one word my publisher shouldn't use. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> which is why we can take the liberties on <laughs> in the verbal scale, so to speak. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, but tell us, I mean. Uh, uh, you know, let's start from the beginning. Uh, there was the MBA, hmm. um, uh, and then there was uh, uh, there was a desire to write. Was there? Uh, no, actually, and which is why most of my uh, business school friends or school or college friends, whenever they meet me, they usually ask, "Such bata actually kisne likha hai?" <laughs> uh, because uh, I never displayed any creative abilities when I was in when I was in school or college. Mm -hmm. uh, I was always uh, what you would call a left-brained guy. I graduated in mathematics, BSc in mathematics, oh did an MBA from IIM Calcutta, as left-brained as they come, academically oriented. Um, I did sports as well, boxing, gymnastics, but nothing creative ever. Uh, so, uh, Immortals of Melua is the first piece of fiction I've ever written in my life. And I think it's a blessing. I've always said that uh, <laughs> Lord Shiva has blessed me. It Why, I don't know, but... Uh, you I'm know grateful that, for it. And that's the beauty about blessings, right? You you never know how you why you receive he, them, but he blesses those who need it the most. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the humble brag. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, uh, but you know, uh, uh, we've of course uh, you know had uh, an interaction earlier as well where you told us a brilliant little story about how your left brain. Uh, collided with your right brain in the in the rectangles of an excel sheet you literally tried to <laughs> write a book on the excel sheet didn't you i, I uh, you know when i uh, when this idea for this book came to me uh, immortals of melua and uh, i had no idea how to write i'd never written any fiction before nothing absolutely nothing not even a short story in school so i read these self help books and uh, i always say if self help books actually worked then they should stop selling Right. So Obviously, there is a book called How to Write? There is. Okay. There are tons of books. Okay. Okay. So I actually read them and they have all these standard algos, you know, on how you should write and you should make these character sketches and they, they suggest structures for character uh, sketches. And uh, they suggest that, uh, uh, you know, you should make a, a story flow and all stories have to be a three-act structure because... Uh, you know, uh, which as you know is the Aristotelian structure because apparently that is the only way to write. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, and then you should make a date plan, a disciplined date plan, you okay. know, uh, so that write a minimum number of words every day. So I actually did all that. I made a, you know, proper... So you actually plan. shackled yourself in those... I made an Excel file for the Ali plan. I made a PowerPoint uh, presentation for the story flow, you know, with an actual flow chart. I made character sketches, <laughs> and like most MBA type plans, it was a total flop, obviously. Um, and uh, the story actually started flowing when I gave up that plan. And I just let it flow. You know, there's this uh, wonderful line. Uh, thank you for the disturbance. Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, 
there was this wonderful uh, line uh, I had uh, uh, been told once that uh, you know you have to uh, don't write the story with the arrogance of a creator write it with the humility of a witness uh, that is you're not creating the story uh, you're just someone who's being in, being given the privilege of entering a parallel universe and seeing the events that happen uh, and that's how I write that's how I write till today so I still don't know where the story comes from I can actually see that universe I see the characters uh, I hear their uh, thoughts, I feel their emotions, and I describe what I see. That's how I write. Also, uh, you know, uh, there's also a lot of due diligence that you do as well. I mean, of course, there's the storytelling bit, uh, which is the creative aspect. Were you a banker in your previous life? You take no, I'm just... Writing <laughs> and you make... Due diligence, seriously. <laughs> I thought uh, I'd make you comfortable, <laughs> but uh, no, but but you take your research very, very seriously because it's not just that ideas come to your head and you pen them down. There's uh, they're actually weighed down on the page uh, with lots and lots of research. Is that true? Yeah, you know the the reason why uh, I uh, I guess I I enjoy the research in a way. So it's not that I research to write. I research because I just like it, right? Uh, so I read a lot so and it may not necessarily be linked to the book that I'm writing so I just keep reading anything that uh, catches my fancy right uh, and I primarily read nonfiction and uh, I read uh, uh, you know across different subjects so of course history but I'm not talking about historical fiction like pure you know uh, historical nonfiction what many others would find drab those kind of books sure. right sure not in narrative nonfiction pure you know uh, uh, and then philosophy, science, I read science journals, mm -hmm. uh, I read anything that catches my fancy. And the way I see it is uh, all that reading uh, will go somewhere into uh, uh, the book. I don't know what will go into the book, so I read as much as I can. It's a bit like uh, I don't know what dish I have to cook uh, or what dish he's going to inspire me for. So I buy every single ingredient I can find. right? And then whatever goes in will go in. Whatever doesn't go in is is nice knowledge to have. Of course, and there's uh, there's the dish itself, mm. and then there's the garnishing, yeah. <laughs> which is where you uh, put in the harapatta beautifully, which I believe is called marketing, <laughs> which is uh, which is what you made very cool even you're, before it was cool. You're, you're being a lot of cool points, which I should tell my publishers. Marketing is harapatta. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we should dhania, call it dhania. mint. Marketing equals dhania. Dhania. Adds <laughs> the garnishing doesn't matter. But uh, uh, but you know uh, you indulge in those things wholeheartedly I mean uh, there were what uh, um, uh, there were some cool uh, 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 marketing ideas that you had I think you had figurines etc etc that were also you've done loads of things yeah so uh, uh, look the, the way I see it bhi karo, dhang se karo. Mm. Mat karo. Mm. Right? so I write with uh, I think the purity of my heart I don't uh, think at all about what will work what will not work I just write what feels right to me the way Lord Shiva blesses it uh, but uh, for the want of a better term, I think an artist should be a schizophrenic because you should create with the purity of your heart. But when you're marketing, then be a full practical, pragmatic, I am MBA type, mm. right? Mm. So you have to, f you're not going to touch the product at all. But how do you position it that it, it sells, right? Why should the publisher lose money? Uh, you know, and it's, it's adharma in a way. If an author doesn't uh, do the best uh, he or she can. So, uh, and... Often I've found with marketing, it's not really about how much money you put into it. It's about the creativity of the ideas. You know, so uh, for my first book, 
we distributed the first chapter free of cost. Mm. Had never been done before. Sure. Uh, and worked really well. We made a trailer film. Again, it had never been done before. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, loaded it on YouTube. It worked very well. Uh, for the second book, we had more budget. So we made uh, uh, Secret of the Naga. So we actually made trailer films, proper movie-style trailer films, which we released in theaters. Right? For Oath of the Vahi Putras, we actually made a music album. Mm. Right? Mm. Which we released and we made a music video of it. So we actually made money from... Sure that marketing activity. And it's okay we've to done, do that. Why not? So we've done for, uh, you know, and for my latest for War of Lanka, uh, you know, among the innovative uh, things we did was we, uh, uh, again, Web3 as you know, has never been used before for, for book marketing, mm. uh, at least from what, uh, from what I'm aware. Sure. Uh, you know, so augmented reality, essentially. Uh, and as uh, people get more and more into it, it, it draws them in, right? And, and the entire point of marketing is, uh, is, not, is, is not just to attract those who are going into bookstores in any case. They'll see my books, it'll be displayed well right at the front, sure. they'll buy it. How about attracting those who are not readers, right? Mm. How do you attract them? So what this augmented reality uh, thing did was actually, you know, you put up your phone, uh, you know, on an app, and uh, say you're pointing it at this, at this floor, right? And a, f a f you know a circle of fire would emerge, which would collapse, wow. and Ravan would come out of it. Right? Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's actually in in real life out there. Sure. Just so it's augmented reality. Of course. You know, or wow. you have uh, the Pushpak Raman flying, and Indrajit is in there, and your task is to you know point a sphere and you know and and get Indrajit down. Now, what these kind of things do is uh, get those who are not naturally readers, introduce them. Uh, to War of Lanka, and then they come into sort uh, of like gateway drugs. Exactly. But, 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 but uh, again, uh, not the term my publisher <laughs> should use. Let's let's say gateway marketing. Gateway marketing. Gateway sure, marketing. Sure. Let's keep it to that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, a, you're a troublesome guy. You're like a machis ki tili. Aag lagao. You know, uh, what's the point of doing this in winter if you can't <laughs> warm your hands <laughs> on a little. Uh, but, um, you know, um, one could also argue that uh, all of these uh, gimmicks might also take away from the from the book itself. Mm. Do, would you agree? Uh, no, actually. Look, uh, I read a lot. I can give you a long list of books which should have been bestsellers, but are mm. not because they weren't marketed properly. Sure. Uh, you know, the biggest uh, challenge you have in today's day uh, is not getting a share of the wallet of the consumer. It's just 500 rupees. It's not that much. People spend that much on coffee, right? Mm. Uh, the biggest challenge is getting a share of his or her time, right? Uh, and if you see it that way, then your book is not just competing with other books. It's competing with Netflix and Amazon. It's competing with your uh, with your timeline on, on Insta. It's competing with a visit to the mall. How do you reach out to different people and tell them, look, this might be a worthwhile expenditure of your time. Uh, and if you don't do that, ultimately, look, uh, Good marketing kills a bad product even quicker. You see long, uh, you know, a long list of Bollywood movies which were supposed to be super hits. We've seen in the last few years, many sure. of them have. I mean, they're, yeah. they didn't even make as much money as their marketing budget, right? Actually, Forget about the production budget. A lot of the so, cult films now yeah. <laughs> actually were failures. Yeah, but, but, but the point I'm trying to make is you have to do proper marketing to give people an opportunity to at least try the product. Then the product sells itself. It's it's wonderful that you that you talk about time because most of our time now is spent 
on on the mobile phone on yeah. the internet etc uh, i come from the world of music so mm. there are two uh, aspects of this that were fascinating to me when i was talking mm. to two very different people actually one i talked to and one i saw in a documentary strings the band mm. uh, they started when everything was analog yeah. you know and i asked them and they they just released an album actually 3 or 4 oh, years back yeah okay. fantastic album okay. um and uh, you know they, they were uh, they were doing these interviews as part of their whole social media outreach and i asked them that you started you know sar ki pahad set out absolutely fantastic and they said something very interesting they said when we started art was a push medium hmm. uh, you had to push your art out to a magazine to hmm. a radio station to yeah. television and you were done huh. you know now art is a pull medium hmm. there are so many media that you have to touch correct that you have to literally pull your audiences in because every second they're being pulled in different directions exactly with hmm. information and with art hmm. that was that's one aspect yeah. the other was in this documentary that i saw about a guy who uh, uh, recorded analog nirvana's greatest album one of the biggest albums in the world yeah. uh, he was asked about um, uh, internet musicians kurt cobain went too quickly oh he went too uh, quickly उटिटीजिकल्सिबलोटाइज बटो a lot of musicians out there who have no business being in the business of music mm. who are making it big as well mm. uh what are your views on this good question um i'm also a diplomat i in an answer occurred to me so i'm also a diplomat i'll answer this a little carefully uh there is a a country further to our west beyond pakistan which is technically a democracy uh because there are elections Uh, and india is also a democracy uh in in that country however uh, a candidate cannot stand for elections just by himself uh, they have to apply to a guardian council of mullahs who will decide whether the candidate is worthy of standing for elections or not uh and it's a bit like gatekeepers in the music i was about to say gatekeeper who would, yeah, who would decide whether sure. you are worth promoting or not Hmm. uh and only those who go through that guardian council can actually stand for elections right and then uh elections happen and then so whoever is controlled becomes the leader uh there been almost no change of guards change of power out there in india it's a free for all okay you and i can stand for elections for sure. all we have to do is pay that deposit and people do of course okay. uh and people stand for completely ridiculous reasons right uh there's a guy who uh, stood up for uh, uh for election saying he wants to ensure i remember he stood in mumbai that uh, his his main plank was that every city every town every village must have a mahatma gandhi road okay that was his plank i mean yeah. <laughs> but no one could stop him he stood for elections sure. and of course he lost his deposit sure. right Sure. where is democracy stronger i'm not saying india is perfect right but where is democracy stronger hmm. where there are gatekeepers controlling it hmm. or it's in a way a free for all hmm. anyone can stand hmm. right or how uh, uh, you know the us or uk is anyone can stand right sure again i'm not saying it's perfect 
right? But where is it stronger? Right? Mm. Uh, it's a bit like a controlled garden or uh, uh, or a jungle where any plant or tree that can compete has a chance to mm. try. It's mm. luck, mm. right? But in a controlled garden, you know, where all trees are placed in one row after another, uh, which is more bursting with life? Sure. Right? So, and that's the way I see it. Uh, I'm a lover of, uh, of, of uh, the natural law. Let, let people try. No sure. gatekeepers to control it. Mm -hmm. And look, the public will decide. Sure, yeah. sure. Absolutely. Um, that's a very diplomatically <laughs> 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 well done, <laughs> if I may. Um, uh, but of course, uh, you know, uh, can't deny the fact that we're living in the world of listicles and of 280 <laughs> characters. So, uh, you know, a lot of people get seduced by the successes hmm. of um, uh, of writing. Hmm. Uh, the process sometimes get. I mean, every 30 second reel has hmm. probably nine reels that failed before the hmm. tenth reel became yeah. viral, etc. Yeah. So, do you think uh, uh, the process of uh, you know the diligence again using that word uh, of uh, reaching that destination mm. has uh, has become secondary to the fact that you know we see the successes in 30 seconds but we forget what goes uh, on behind we've forgotten the process yeah there's this lovely line it took me uh, you know i think 15 years or 20 years to become an overnight success so uh, there's no such sure. thing as an overnight success right sure. and uh, uh, nothing teaches you like failure uh, and it's good to fail right as long as you draw the correct lessons uh, and learn from the mistakes, often uh, you know you'll find there are so many guys who are one-hit wonders. Uh, they have just one success and then they are not able to handle it. Uh, so going through that uh, grind, I think, is extremely important. It makes you tougher. Uh, uh, failure actually toughens you in many ways. Toughness, you know, uh, you know, facing uh, resistance, facing obstacles, uh, it toughens you up. But are we learning uh, how to deal with failure? Because uh, are we too afraid? I think today the public uh, conversation at times has become thing that's, oh, I'm in depression, oh, I'm suffering, someone mollycoddled me. No, why should someone mollycoddle you, right? Uh, life is tough. It's the way it is. Sure. Who doesn't suffer? Right? Uh, and among the things that I find extremely, you know, uh, intriguing, I'm living in London, I'm living in the UK. Uh, and uh, among the youngsters out there, uh, and there's not just anecdotally, you know, when I meet many of them, my role is such that I engage with various people, but even, you know, research reports that one reads, there's a lot of anger among the, the youngsters out there, young millennials, uh, Gen Zs, uh, which to me as an Indian is kind of intriguing because it's the most privileged generation in human history. Western youngsters today, no one has been more privileged ever in human history than them. And you come to India, uh, and even street children, you find, you find that verve, you find that uh, like they're bursting for life, there is fire in the belly. Uh, and one wonders why is that, you know? And there's one thing that comes down from our ancient traditions, that there's a value to obstacles, there's a value to suffering, it makes you tougher. Uh, and uh, if you find no obstacles in life, uh, your mind goes into a, sure. a, a spiral. Because it's, it's, it generally, genuinely does intrigue me. Why is that generation so angry mm. when they're the most privileged generation in human history? No one has had more money ever. But is, is there a danger of transmitting our lived experiences onto them in trying to understand that? No, I'm, I'm just intrigued. I want to understand, mm. you know. 
It's because, a question. Is what yeah, it's a question. And it's okay to question. Because, yeah, because uh, if, uh, if, 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 uh, uh, you know, if countries from where there is, from all parameters and metrics, there's much more suffering, much more poverty, you don't find that much anger mm. out there. You find uh, much more of a comparative attitude, much more of a willingness to uh, not complain but work, sure. right? Sure. Uh, I don't know what the answer is. It's just it's a, it's something that I've noticed, and it's worth exploring why. Sure. Uh, because uh, again, if you read uh, reports of the way what is now called the greatest generation, uh, which is the Westerners who went through the Second World War, perhaps mm. the unluckiest generation in human history, among mm. the unluckiest, mm. right? Uh, because they would have been the kind who, in their childhood, would have seen the suffering of the First World War and the Depression. And then when they come of age, many of them go into the Second World War. Many of them go through the meat grinder of the massive battles. Absolutely. Many of them die. And they come out of it and recover so quickly. You know, it's it, an article my sister and I had written. You know, someone like uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, uh, who suffered through the First World War, uh, through the Great Depression. He wrote books like Lord of the Rings, which are morally very clear, you know, which have the elves who are perfect, which have the orcs, <laughs> where there's, I'm not saying that's realistic, but sure. it just showed his attitude to his writing. Sure. Whereas, uh, uh, you know, someone like, like a George R.R. R. Martin, who's a baby boomer. So the, he, he was born, again, among the most privileged generations in human history, was born after the Second World War, uh, dodged the Vietnam draft, uh, lived a very, relative to, you know, uh, just a generation prior, sure. lived a very privileged life, but his attitude was such that he wrote something like the Game of Thrones, which is violent, yeah. uh, in many ways, no lack of morals. Why is that? Why did someone who suffers so much sure. see the world in such clear, moral, and optimistic terms? And why is someone who actually had a wonderful, relaxed life see the world in such ugly, Morally moral terms? I don't terms, know. Yeah? Sure. I don't know what the answer is. Sure. But it's worth exploring. It's and then is there something to what our ancestors said, that there's a value to suffering? It makes you stronger. Sure. It makes you clearer about life. That since you've seen how bad bad is, you can see, you can appreciate how good good is. That's important. That's important. It's a question. Yeah. It's not a... I, I, I don't think this is an indictment or a no, no, no. frustration. In the Indian way, there's no judgment. It's Absolutely. trying to understand sure. so that you can apply in your own life. For That's sure. all. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, talking of suffering, if, if somebody has decided to um, uh, make suffering his or her companion with the profession of a writer, <laughs> <laughs> in, in three to five points, what would be your advice to them? Oh, it's not suffering at all, man. <laughs> Look, it's like I this. was just waiting it's for like you this. to say if that. You, if, you, if you enjoy the process of writing itself, what you write so much, genuinely, then you don't care about whether it's a success or not, right? Mm. Uh, you need a job on the side to pay the bills. I had a job on the side for my oh. first two books. I resigned only after my second book when the royalty check became more than the salary. Very pragmatic and boring. But uh, uh, if you enjoy the writing process itself so much uh, that you genuinely don't care, then writing itself is like a spiritual process. You will be among the happiest people around. So what would your advice be? Uh, listicles, three to five points. Listicles, three to five points. <laughs> Uh, write with the honesty of your heart. Don't care about what others think. Second, uh, you need something to earn money unless mommy and daddy bank have left a lot for you. So uh, have a job on the side. No dishonor in that. And uh, third, 
try your best to market uh, your books because nothing sells itself. If it doesn't work, no problem. You have the job to fall back on. Absolutely. And uh, these are words from someone uh, who has weighed them down with experience and with success. <laughs> uh, and also... Uh, till now, till now. Till God knows what the future holds. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but at present, if uh, we can uh, we can laugh with the, uh, with the knowledge that this laugh is a positive one, I think uh, we can all... Uh, Thank the Lord thank, and be it Shiva, even better. Thank the Lord. <laughs> thank Lord Shiva. <laughs> uh, that's Avish Tripathi, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, with a little bit of uh, food for thought as well, a question, and uh, maybe finding the answers might be the first step. And that's what we're trying to make you do. Take that first step towards asking the questions because literally no wrong questions. Uh, so um, if he made you think, that's wonderful. And uh, if you uh, did reach here, that's even more so. Uh, please follow us on social media to see what's up next. Uh, thank you very much uh, for being here. It does matter a whole lot to us. Amish, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. This is the Teamwork Arts Podcast, ladies and gentlemen.